Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. This is the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello and welcome along to the latest Liverpool Echo Blood Red Podcast. I'm Matt Addison with a squad of Theo Squires, Sean Bradbury and Rich Garnett all alongside me today. We'll talk about the Champions League very shortly and the possible opponents that Liverpool could get. And of course, we'll preview the big game with Spurs on Sunday, including picking our teams for that game. Let's talk Napoli first, though, Theo. I'll come to you on this one to start with. Obviously, not quite a big enough win for Liverpool to top the group, but still plenty of positives. I don't think any of us predicted a Liverpool win on Monday's podcast. So was this a a sign, I should say, of, of a turning point for Liverpool? Was it a sign of the future or... Was this just the case of, once again, a big side comes to Anfield and Liverpool decide to turn it on? Um, it's a completely different one, this one, because Napoli was so assured of top spot, it would have taken something special for Liverpool to wrestle that away. And I think both teams knew that Napoli hadn't lost yet this season and we all know Liverpool's failings at one point or another. And it's hard to know what to take from the result because Liverpool, they were more solid defensively. They had a couple of chances, but they rarely tested Mere too much. And it was only when Napoli had the goal disallowed in the second half by VAR and Darwin Nunes came on that Anfield really had any sort of atmosphere and the game got going again. It went up a notch. I know Klopp's in his press conference said it's not a dead rubber or any sorts of that, and it was played at a better pace than that. But it was sort of going through the motions in that first half. Um, you can take the positives from how well they defended. Like Whilst Napoli rotated as well, they still created chances. They were still some of the most informed forwards in European football at the moment. I'm not going to try and say the names, but we know the Georgian lad who I'm trying to reference there. And then Asimhen, the Nigerian lad up front as well, who I've probably butchered too. But then it's one where it's a win, it's a clean sheet against the side. You, you can take positives from that, but there's been so many times this season where we've thought Liverpool have turned a corner, they've got a good result against a Man City or a Rangers or an Ajax or whatever to have it come crashing back down to earth next time round. Um, it was impressive that you think how many formations Liverpool went through from the three-all draw with Brighton and to get back to the 4-3-3 against Napoli. And that was only a month. What a long, painful month October was for all of us, wasn't it? Oh, thank God it's over and the World Cup breaks nearly in sight. Hopefully, a step in the right direction. Hopefully, it is the final corner turned and there's not going to be two steps backwards against Spurs or anything. Liverpool can finish strongly before the World Cup break. But I think it's one where we not really know what we can take from it until we see how Liverpool perform against Tottenham, if they can then build on that. And then if it's a a damp squib against uh, Southampton or not. Obviously, it comes, Sean, with the the caveat of Napoli knew that they had to just avoid being absolutely hammered to to top the group. It wasn't as if they had to to go full pelt as well. But obviously, Theo mentions there that the formation, that was, you know, it it was good to see. It was promising, at least. We've said for a number of weeks now, step one is just let's try and be a little bit more solid. And at the very least, that's what Liverpool looked like on Tuesday. Yeah, definitely. I agree with the thrust of what Theo said completely there. You know, every Liverpool game of late has just felt like a total coin flip. You know, any either of the two sides could win. You know, there's there's 
that that control that Liverpool exerted over games that was the hallmark of the team that you know won the league and won the Champions League and has just been the bedrock of what has made things tick on the clock. You know, the midfield setting the tone and grafting and, and being dominant and giving Liverpool the platform. That hasn't been there. And I think that that returned to an extent, although, like you guys have said, we've got to qualify this, haven't we? There's, there's every chance Napoli could have scored. It was a, it was a very close VAR decision, wasn't it, that, that went in Liverpool's favour on this occasion. And, you know, the goals were deserved, and but they came late. So, you know, it could easily have been a nil-nil, which... I think would have been quite good in terms of just settling things down, but I, I, yeah, I'd be I'd be slightly wary of the of how much this could be considered a turning point, but certainly not turning me nose up at what is is definitely a little bit of momentum because I think if if you break it down, there's there's several things that we're encouraging, not least some of the cameos late on, you know, Nunes chief among them, but some of the younger lads who came on, I thought played really well, but the the big one for me was was Kanate. I mean, Klopp in his press conference today just kind of listed all the all the things that look like they had returned for Liverpool, you know, high line, being able to press a bit further up, <clears throat> a 4-3-3 that just looked a bit more solid and had more of a grip on the game. And obviously, you've got to give the midfielders to an extent credit for that. I thought Milner in particular played well in, in the half that he was on. Uh, Elliot did well when he came on. But Kanate, it was, it was a great returning performance. I thought he combined almost the best elements of what Gomez and Matip can can offer alongside Van Dijk. You know, he was he was good in the air. He was strong. He was quick. Um, we, we know he can pass a ball and and, and ping a, a decent vertical one out of defence. But I thought he had a couple of forays in the in the Joel Matip adventure mold that you know broadly worked. And if if you can have him doing that and offering the recovery pace of a Gomez with the the sense of adventure of, of a Matip with a bit of passing range on top, you know he's. He, he's he's the main man in defence. He's the one who partners Van Dijk if, if that's what he can offer going forward. So, yeah, I was I was impressed by it. And uh, the other person I'd give a, a quick nod to was was Curtis Jones. I think he did he did really well. It was his best performance of a obviously a punctured season so far. And I think he was also key as well to to making that four three three work again. He was he was central to quite a few attacks. He, he played well going forward, but just offering balance and, and a bit of an out ball and. Not, not you know, I'm not knocking Diaz. I think he's had a really good season, but he's he's very different, isn't he? When he plays in that in that left hand side of role up front, he's he's very wide. He's always looking to get on the ball and, and get forward. But Jones was a more measured performance, one that Liverpool needed right now. And obviously, we'll come on to this, but I think he's. I personally would say he's nailed his place down for Sunday in that role, offering what he does there. So, yeah, a, a lot of encouraging things. And you know, it was. I don't think Klopp was ever really going to be able to to rotate fully for this one because I think winning that's banked Liverpool almost two and a half million pounds, doesn't it? You know, every Champions League game that you win is a is a is a money spinner. So yeah, good good night at the office for the Reds. Not not a turning point, but a source of momentum which is which is very, very welcome. We'll come back to, to Darwin Nunez and Ibrahim Akonate, but Sean there mentions Curtis Jones, Rich, and I wanted to, to mention him as well. I mean I felt being in the stadium, he, he had a little bit of a, a mixed reaction, even from people who were watching him. I thought he was was really, really good. But you can hear you know, the little moans and groans. If he doesn't go past three players and score a goal, he's he's not going to be the, the quickest player. He's not Sadio Mane or, or Luis Diaz or, or somebody like that. But I did think he was was really quite effective on that left-hand side. Like Sean says, it's it's a different type of player that Liverpool can, can have in there. They've got, obviously, other options that are maybe a little bit more exciting. But I actually thought he, he did pretty well, even if the, the reaction from inside Anfield maybe didn't make it feel quite like that. You're on mute there, Rich. I've not said that for a while. Ah, every time, do you know what I mean? You think it'd land <laughs> by now, honest to God. <laughs> 
I said such an insightful thing then as well, which I've immediately forgotten. But uh, no, um, the reason you get uh, a mixed reaction with Curtis Jones is because half the fan base simply don't rate him and, and wouldn't have him near the team. And that's just, whether you agree or disagree with that, that's just how it is. And it's hard on Curtis Jones because he, as a result of that, perhaps doesn't get the same level of credit in the bank as perhaps someone like Harvey Elliott does. So whenever Curtis Jones gets an opportunity, there's big pressure on him to to deliver uh, and, and make something happen and happen and, and you know make some sort of impact that will, he will be remembered by in the game for. And to his credit, I think he did do that on Tuesday. He certainly did make a difference when he came on. He, he was neat and tidy with the ball, uh, at, but you know, dynamic at the same time was looking to make things happen. And, and it was almost like he needed that type of performance to try and put some of these uh, doubters at bay because um, I, I still don't think uh, he, he has any sort of defined position within this Liverpool team and he needs to be able to to try and find what that is. Uh, he's not the only one, by the way, but as we're talking specifically about him, he, he, he needs to do something good and do it in a position that he's remembered for. So when it comes to picking a team, um, um, for the next game, the, the manager and, and supporters alike are thinking, well, we'll have Curtis Jones in that position because he did this well last time. Uh, and and he, I suppose he's made that opportunity. Although I, I didn't have him on my list for, for Sunday, but I can I can very much understand why Sean w- would want to include him because because he has made a positive contribution to the match. So it, it, I'd be more interested to see you know, how effective he can do that when he's starting games. He has looked okay coming on. Uh, I just think... Um, when, when, on the occasions where he has started matches, he's, he's sort of struggled, uh, struggled to be able to sort of uh, stamp his authority on games. But uh, certainly did his uh, did his corner no harm on Tuesday. I think he's a, a victim of circumstances, isn't he, Curtis Jones? I, he's had so many injury setbacks, uh, inconvenient times when Liverpool needed that extra body to be available in midfield, where he had have an opportunity to go and play games. But it's also one where he's come through at a time when Liverpool have gone from a team just wanting to get back into the top four to challenging for every single Premier League title, every single Champions League title. If he'd come through a couple of years earlier when Trent does um, came through, there's maybe a bit more patience with him. Like Trent is a much better footballer, don't get me wrong. But there would have been the gaps in his game early on when people were more critical of his defensive play but you make more excuses for him as a young kid learning the trade. Whereas if Trent was coming through now and we're seeing the criticism he's getting now, people would maybe hammer him a bit, bit more. And it's just the stakes have got so high now, like every single drop point counts. Like, it doesn't matter for the title this year. Liverpool are already so far out of it. But if they're in the title race, you, we know how much uh, every point counts. Like Liverpool have lost the title by a single point twice in the last, what, four years? And this is where fans want to see FSG go and spend 50 million, 60 million, 70 million on a midfielder. They want to have these big game winners coming off the bench who are in the prime of their lives and can win games instantly, make the instant impact like Erling Haaland has just gone and done at Man City. They don't have the patience for the young kids coming through, learning the trade. They don't have the patience to hang around with the the sentiments of the players like, say, Henderson, who've been here for a few years, won the lot, but now he's on the decline. It's just those so thin lines between success and failure. And when it goes wrong, everyone's on all these players' backs because Curtis Jones is never going to step up and do what Sadio Mane did 
and you can't expect him to. Like he's still what 21, 22, still a very young player who's not really got a nailed down position. As Rich said, he's had all these injuries. It will take him time to find his role in the team. And patience has just gone out the window because every time you, you drop points in a game or you're caught standing still, treading water, Man City are just pulling away further and further in front of you. And then you look at the Newcastle, richest club in the world now. You've got Manchester United are recovering. Arsenal, best. They've been for probably about a decade. Chelsea are still there. Every time Liverpool get caught standing still, they're falling further behind there. And Curtis Jones has just been caught up in that. But he's not the only one. There's a number of players that have fallen victim to this sort of treatment. And it's not right, but it's what's happened when Liverpool have been this team that can challenge for all these honours. Obviously, the fan base expands. And you've got so many uh, fans who make their judgments on social media. Virgil van Dijk um, alluded to this, speaking to Gary Neville on the overlap this week, how that young players just need to do themselves a favour and get off social media because it's not doing them any good. Hopefully, Jones at some point gets a run in the team. And this could be the start of it. But then the World Cup's coming up at the wrong point. But find his position, be this long-term successor for a, a Henderson or a Thiago, and get that chance to show what he's really about. But until he's actually first choice in that midfield, or along with, a, say, an Elliot or Carvalho or anything, or Jude Bellingham, if they get him, fans aren't going to give him that patience because they'd much rather see him sold and go and spend £80 million on well, Barella, £120 million on Bellingham, £150 million on Declan Rice. If you have a choice to Curtis Jones or signing those three, the majority of the fans would choose those three. And that's the sad thing when you think, again, you used to have that pride in your academy graduates and that's just gone now at the moment. Yeah, I mean, I agree with, with most of that. I don't necessarily think that his his ceiling is high enough that he can become the, the next Thiago or, or something like that, but he doesn't necessarily have to be, does he, Sean? If, if Curtis Jones's Liverpool career is... He plays in two or three different positions. He gets, I don't know, 25 starts each season. He comes in as a bit of a rotation option. I mean, that alone would be better than 99% of, of Liverpool Academy graduates. And I'm sure he'd want a bit more than that, but it wouldn't be the worst career in the world. No, not at all. And he's still at the age where I think there's there's so many opportunities ahead of him. That That's one thing that his detractors need to remember. OK, he has been around for quite a while and, and, and played a fair amount of Liverpool games now, but... You know, especially this season, as we've all said, things have been so up and down. Injuries have come at the wrong time for him. You know, he's he's. If you look at Liverpool's midfield options, you know that I suppose the, the the general disappointment around Liverpool's midfield. I don't quite want to whittle it down to three players in the sense of him, Cater, and Oxlade Chamberlain. But you know, there's there's youngsters who offer something different in the shape of the likes of Elliot and Carvalho. You know, Morton, Besetic, and others maybe who are. Who are on the radar for further down the line. Then there's obviously your, your season campaigners, your, your Hendersons, Milners, Thiago, etc. I think it's where the questions are, are around the ones who should be approaching or at their peak and whether they've delivered enough for Liverpool. But I, I would more put that on Cater and Oxlade-Chamberlain. Again, two lads who've been very unfortunate with injuries and, and momentum that being out takes away from you. But I, I don't think you can quite say Jones is, is fully in that boat yet. But... He's, he's the one you expect to take the next step. And I do think this season, just by virtue of, of what we've already just seen, and OK, there's, there's only a couple more games now till the World Cup break, but who knows what kind of state the squad will be in after it as well, especially with a couple of the, the more senior men in midfield going after the World Cup, you would imagine. Jones is going to get chances. I, I think I really think he will. And, you know, there, there was a time when I thought he had quite a similar skill set to, to Genie. You know, OK, maybe not the same 
level of like tactical discipline and, and expertise and now off the ball that Wayne Alden was the absolute master of. And, and that kind of thing comes with experience and comes with games. But there's still an argument, maybe, you know, this does, does would, the, would a Premier League loan suit him or something like that. But I think when you look at Liverpool's midfield, if, if they, you know, what every fan hopes is that they go big on, on one or two, you know, top names next summer. But the fact that there will be a bit of a revolving door, you know, you'd expect a couple to leave. I think Jones will still get opportunities and it's just on him to, to, to kind of take them and obviously on everyone around him to kind of keep him as fit as possible. So he's, he's in the best position to do that. Yeah, absolutely. Hopefully he can stay fit and get a bit of rhythm. Obviously didn't particularly have the, the greatest of seasons in, in that respect last season and has struggled a little bit this year as well. But hopefully that rhythm does come. And we'll come back to, to Ibrahim Konate as well. Obviously another one in that category. Rich has had a, a few injury troubles so far this season. But again, if he can sort of have a, a sustained period in this Liverpool team, we saw a little bit of a, a glimpse against Napoli. I'm sure we'll probably see another glimpse against Tottenham of what he can do. And it's hugely exciting once again. He was great, wasn't he? Yeah, really enjoyed his performance. And, and uh, as Sean said, those little uh, Matip-style forays forward that he went on. Uh, quite similar, except imagine being the last player trying to stop one of them once he's built up a bit of momentum. I wouldn't want to be on the end of the uh, Kanate boot if he, if he uh, pushes his last touch too far or something like that. It would be uh, particularly nasty. But obviously, going forward is, is, is not really what he's in the team for, though, is it? It's what he can do at the other end of the pitch. And uh, for someone who's had a little bit of time out, um, he, he really looked very comfortable in there. And, of course... Liverpool have had uh, so many issues with conceding first goals and, and whatnot and, and looked like they'd done that again on Tuesday, but for uh, a bit of augmented reality VAR coming to our rescue, I'm not quite sure where we're going with all that, by the way. I'm, I'm, maybe I'm getting a bit old in the tooth for it, but uh, it just just uh, these marginal calls now, they just seem a bit ridiculous to me. You, you, you know, if you're blatantly offside, you're offside. If you're not, what? why are we trying to ruin the game? But that... That, that is a different subject entirely to uh, Ibrahim Akinati. But yeah, the, the fans love him. Um, I love him. I think he's uh, such a dominant figure. Uh, he, he can terrorise attackers. He can deal with uh, you know the big units. I'm sure he would have liked to have gone up against the likes of Haaland and, and, and whatnot. And, and alongside Van Dijk, you, you've got a pretty formidable duo there. That, that, that space with Van Dijk. It is arguably up for grabs, isn't it? I, I, and I wouldn't I'd go as far as to say even Van Dijk's place isn't 100% secure because obviously he's had a few wobbles as well this season and you're only as good as your last game. So uh, you could even see situations that later in the season where you see Canasse and, and, and Matip together maybe. Um, but And Gomez as well it, it is in the picture, but it's who can bring that level of consistency to the party and... Um, if that if that was Canate's audition to take, reclaim that spot on Tuesday, then it, it, it was a good starting point. Much like we said about Curtis Jones, they probably those standout two standout sort of performances on Tuesday. And uh, yeah, Canate up against Kane on uh, on Sunday is is pretty mouthwatering. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Now's the time to save thirty percent on wedding jewelry only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands, all hand-finished and graded for excellence. 
or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Certainly should be interesting. At the other end of the pitch as well, Theo, as ever, we've got to give a mention to Darwin Nunez. Obviously, came on as a substitute, caused his usual chaos, got himself a, a goal, could have had two goals, nearly set up a goal. Just everything that Darwin Nunez does in about 20 minutes. That's all he needs, isn't it? 20 minutes. That's why... Uh... Liverpool signed him, like all this agent of uh, chaos causing havoc. Uh, it's something that's so different to Liverpool's front line in recent years, but then maybe it's something they needed for this transitional period. Uh, I think Klopp's made reference to it today as well. Imagine if um, all the chances he's missed, he'd scored them as well. It makes you realise how many chances he has in games. <laughs> and all of this, like he scored, what, one and he's nicked it on the goal line. You can understand why Van Dyke would be a bit upset there. Like I pointed out to Sean, I think, earlier this week, there's a goal, I think, Sadio Mane scores against Stoke, where Firmino nicks it on the goal line. He gets a, a decent bonus from it because it would have been a landmark goal, and he just leaves it, lets it roll in. And you think, well, maybe that's the nice thing to do. But you're a striker settling in a, a new league, trying to make every goal count. I think it was maybe what, his first goal in front of the cop. I know that's been said in a press conference at Anfield recently, but there's been so many games. It might have been the week before of losing track. But um, yeah, this is what Liverpool need him to do, isn't it? To come on, make impact in games, to create chances, to score goals, to put them on a plate for Salah and hope that uh, defenders don't get that touch the toe away from them, to leave bruises on defenders and just ruffle their feathers. If he's doing that, Liverpool got a good chance of scoring goals and winning games and as we say every week, Graham is so far so good and he's only going to get better. Yeah, absolutely. I'm sure he'll be in the team for Tottenham. We'll talk about Tottenham in just a second. But first, Sean, obviously, we know that the possible opponents that Liverpool could get in the last 16. Bayern Munich, the most likely. Real Madrid, the second most likely. Benfica and Porto, the ones that I imagine we probably all want to, to see Liverpool get drawn with. But uh, it's not obviously as easy as if Liverpool had, had topped the group. They would have had a probably had a, a much more favourable draw. But uh, what do you reckon? Is is there any team there that Liverpool should be scared of? Is is there any team that stands out that you really want to see them get? I, I suppose that the sensible answer is that Porto would be the marginal preference to Benfica. I think Benfica will be the way they top the group and you know they turned it on late and scored all those goals. They'll be flying on on that regard. And I think they're doing a little bit better domestically. They're, they're top of their table, aren't they? And perhaps unbeaten on, on the domestic front. So, you know, you'd say Porto, but I honestly, and I'm, you know, I'm not just saying this in a kind of like I want revenge type type thing, but there's a huge part of me that would much prefer to play Madrid over two legs rather than, and I'm not saying Liverpool, if they didn't get Madrid, they'd be guaranteed to get to the final because you, you can't really have that amount of faith in Liverpool at present. But I, I just think having a having a huge tie against Madrid lined up for after the World Cup in you know February, March would would give a real kind of impetus to the season, would in, in, in a strange way put a bit of a spring in everyone's step. And you know, you think about Liverpool's best performances this season and, and, and Man City was right up there. The Napoli game was was a very good one, as we've discussed. And I do think not, not that I'd question motivation and things like that when, when a, a kind of slightly lesser team comes to town. But when you look at the results, you certainly can't argue against that, you know, fully. Teams that have teams that have got results against Liverpool this season, obviously Forest, obviously Leeds, you can even think back to Fulham and, you know, a couple of others who've managed to get a draw. 
just by kind of outworking Liverpool and taking advantage of a few weaknesses. You know, I think Porto or Benfica, Liverpool would be favourites for Madrid or Bayern, they wouldn't be. And, and if it was one of the first two, again, I'm not going to fully commit to saying I, I would worry about Liverpool's attitude. You know, it's you're in the knockout stage of the Champions League. You, you would hope there would be a few more players back early next year after the World Cup and, you know, Anfield would be ready, the players would be ready. But I genuinely think Madrid would be the one where motivation would be highest. And as well, we've been looking today in the office at just <clears throat> the amount of players that certain teams have got going to the World Cup. And Madrid have got loads, you know, so have Spurs. So, you know, that's that's another thing which we can come on to later when we're picking our teams and discussing that. But, <laughs> well, yeah, this is it. This is, this is very true. But, you know, there's I think there's that to factor in as well. You know, I would imagine Liverpool, touch wood, all being well, will be in quite good shape then in terms of the squad. But there's, there's, there's question marks around Madrid and how far some of their players would go. So, yeah, I would I w- would honestly love that that kind of glamour tie. I'd, I, w- I would fear Bayern for all, like, they haven't been pitch perfect in the league so far this season. I think they've drawn a few that they would expect to have won. You know, they've got some they've got some huge big game players, haven't they? Whereas, um, you know, we know Madrid have as well. But, yeah, I would that's the one I'd like to see. Yes, we'll find out on 11 o'clock, I think, isn't it? On Monday, we'll bring you that live on the Blood Red YouTube channel. We'll obviously have all the, the reaction to whoever Liverpool do get across all the usual places as well. But let's move on to, to Tottenham then. Rich, I'll come to you first on Spurs. I suppose the, the question really is, do Liverpool need to win? Would you take a point? What do you reckon for the weekend? Uh, uh, well, after losing to the Premier League powers of Nottingham Forest and Leeds United, I'd say, yes, Liverpool definitely do need to win. They're absolutely desperate for three points in the Premier League. They've not won away from home yet this season. Uh, I was threatening not to shave this beard until they'd won an away game. And then I realised we've got the World Cup coming on. And at the risk of <laughs> looking like Terry Waits by the end of it, I probably will shave it, to be honest. But uh, yeah, the sentiments aside, we, Liverpool needs to get three points on the board here. They need to start making waves in the Premier League because... As much as the, the the talk of the Champions League is, uh, has been, I suppose, a welcome distra- distraction um, I, in taking away that uh, pace in at Napoli at the start, they are in bother in the Premier League. They're, you know, they're playing a Tottenham side who are 10 points ahead of them. It's not ideal, is it? So that, that needs cutting for starters before you look at before you look at anything else within that equation. Tottenham are 10 points ahead. So, uh, yeah, they need to come up with something whereby uh, they can come away from North London with three points on Sunday. Tottenham are going to be shy of attacking options. They've only already got Harry Kane, who's fit. He's got Son, obviously, is out, and Richarlison and, and others. So there's an opportunity there to maybe uh, try and get on the front foot and, uh, and make something happen. And for Christ's sake, please do not concede the first goal. Let's get ourselves in front in a game and then try and control it from there. That point about control against Napoli does ring true. We did look, things looked a lot more comfortable. There is a caveat, of course. I did feel like this was a game that was being played between two sides that had already qualified uh, for the competition, which of course they had, uh, and, and that that did have some sort of impact on on the game. But um, there was more control show. Then you can take that into your next game. Uh, and Liverpool really need to do that, and and they need to be very positive about this, and absolutely be looking to come away with three points. 
I'm going to contradict Rich here. I don't think uh, conceding the first goal is the issue. Like me and our former Echo colleague, Kiva O'Neill, came up with a very good theory that as long as Liverpool concede the first goal, but VAR chalk it off, that they're fine. Because then that lifts the crowd and fields up for games. Like you think of Man City, Napoli, concede whenever you want if it's first, but just make sure VAR is going to call it off. And then you know you're going to get the response from Anfield and Liverpool will win. That's all we need in all these games. Wouldn't have had all these spells of form if VAR was more on our side. They've been risking that for 12 months from all these uh, marginal offside calls, haven't they? Uh, most of them have worked out, but uh, yeah, seem to run out of luck on that until uh, until Tuesday. Yeah, I mean, in terms of the, the injuries, Theo, I'll, I'll come back to you on, on this one. I mean, Rich there lists Richarlison and, and Son. I think Christian Romero as well, the, the centre-back, is, is out. They've got a few key players missing. Obviously, Liverpool do have that 10-point gap to, to make up. It, it does feel like a bit of an opportunity. If if ever they were going to go to Tottenham and, and win, maybe when they've got a few players missing, might be the opportunity. It's one where they've only got, what, Lucas Moura left to play up front with Harry Kane because Kulusevski's injured as well, isn't he? So they really are scraping the barrel in terms of options. Um, but no need to feel sorry for them. They've been like that for midfield for pretty much most of the season. They felt like that in defence for 2021. Um, maybe it will give them a little bit of an advantage. Like if we've got Canate and Van Dijk, you'd like to think between them they can keep Harry Kane quiet. But Klopp said himself in the press conference today, Spurs are very good at counter-attacking football with the, the five-man defence and the attacking wing-backs. They've got three very physical midfielders in there, which Conte perhaps wouldn't want to be playing the three in the centre. He, he liked having the two, I suppose, wide forwards who aren't quite wingers cutting in behind Harry Kane. And he's had to tweak that system slightly. But they've got a really great victory coming into this one against Marseille in midweek. They'll be full on confidence. But then Liverpool can't really worry about Spurs or what their eleven's going to be, seeing how patchy their own form's been. They've just got to make sure they get the formation right and they've got an 11 that's really up for the game and can get the result done. Uh, it's been a good fixture for them in recent years, hasn't it? When they play Spurs, they normally get the points. But then we've been saying this about when they play Leeds, when they play Arsenal, when they play United. It's just been a strange season for Liverpool when they've been so inconsistent. Like I said earlier on the podcast, you just got to hope that Napoli was that final, final, final corner turned and there is no back steps coming here that they can push on against Spurs and go and start the League Cup defence against Derby. Then again, it's Southampton. And then everyone's back from injury and roll on 2023. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. I've heard a couple of Spurs fans this week, Sean, sort of suggesting maybe they've underperformed slightly. I think possibly that comes from a comparison with Arsenal, who are obviously flying and, and doing really well at the moment. But as we've said, I mean, they're, they're 10 points ahead of Liverpool. OK, they've played a game more, but they're in third place heading into the weekend. I'm sure from a Liverpool perspective, we'd all take that at the moment. Yeah, definitely. But I suppose when you look at recent defeats, obviously you mentioned the Arsenal comparison and, and Arsenal beat them fairly convincingly. And then... <clears throat> obviously lost to United and I think that Newcastle one at home is, is the one that really stung because as it was mentioned earlier on the podcast you know Newcastle are the the wealthy coming force of the league aren't they you know and and to me look like they really mean business especially without European football I think them getting results over any team who fancies top four must put a real dent in your confidence and it's a very direct threat to your ability to be in that top four come the end of the season so I think there's that and then Obviously, they did eventually get over the line in, in fairly dramatic circumstances midweek, didn't they? And, and get through in Europe. But 
that pressure was building. I don't know what you mean from from afar. It's kind of felt a little bit like, well, what, why are there questions around Conte and you know whether everything's going okay at Spurs? But then when you drill down into it, I think you know the, there are issues. I just think the, the very way they play is you know reliant on counter attacking a little bit, reliant on moments of magic and almost overperformance every week from the likes of Kane, from Son, Kulusevski, Richarlison, and then when a few of them are out it does begin to immediately look a bit bleaker. It's not easy to then say to that team, right, we're going to play a different way. We're going to control the ball. We're going to dominate possession and, and you know, take it to teams in that way rather than on the counter. So I can see why there's a little bit of grumbling, but you're right in terms of the, the, the broad position they're in. Liverpool fans would absolutely take it. But I do think, as you said initially, Matt, is this an opportunity for Liverpool? I think it is, you know, not least because of their exertions in midweek and their injuries, but... The big thing for me, going back to what I was saying before about Madrid, is just how many of Spurs players are going to be going to be going to Qatar in, in in the coming weeks. And you know, when we pick our teams, my, mine will basically be based around what Liverpool players who aren't, because you're already seeing a little bit of discussion and, and narrative around these last few games before the World Cup. You know, managers are mentioning them. Van Dijk was even talking about it, I think, after the Napoli game and saying, you know, almost admitting that. There are there are going to be issues around that Southampton game because it's so close to the World Cup and players who are going to go and represent their nations are going to be having that in the back of their minds. So I think this one in a game that's always quite close and always quite intense, the way to have the edge will be find players who you know for a fact they're going to give 100, 110 percent. So um, I think Liverpool might have a few more of them and that could give them the edge. Yeah, certainly something to watch out for. Without further ado, then, let's go on and pick our teams for the game. Theo, I'll come to you first. I think we can assume that Alisson will be in goal. And to be honest, I think I can probably guess what your back four is. But do you want to talk us through it? Um, same as Tuesday, I think. No, Robertson didn't play, did he? No. My, or did he? I've already no, lost track. Like I said, there's so many games. No, he didn't. He didn't. But he will this weekend. OK. Trent, Canate, Van Dijk, Robertson. Yeah, yes. got there in the end. Yes. Rich, same for you? No. I'm, oh. I, it's same as what started um, on Tuesday against Napoli for me. And the reason for that is, and we haven't really touched on it in this podcast actually, is that uh, Costa Simicas had a very good game. Um, and I think we should be rewarding players who perform well because not, too many Liverpool players haven't been performing well. And for that reason alone, I would keep him in. Robertson was great against Leeds, though. He's the only one player who could claim that. Well, I may have wiped that from my memory, I think, after I stormed out the ground, to be honest, Theo. But, um, yeah, I just thought Simicas was um, was superb against Napoli. And just on that basis alone, I'd keep him in. It would be no surprise if it was Robertson, though. I don't, you know, that wouldn't be any big concern of mine. But, but purely for rewarding uh, a performance, I'd keep him in. Robertson or Simicast for you, Sean? I'm, I'm very much team Theo here, I'm afraid to say, Rich. I think um, Robbo, not only against Leeds, but I thought against Ajax as well, was was good. And the fact that, you know, he he got the rest midweek, yeah, I, th- I think he'll come back in. Right, so if I'm ever you... planning a midweek trip to uh, Corfu or anything, Sean, you and Theo are out, mate. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Sean, I'll come back to you for your midfield. Are we sticking with the, the 4-3-3, given it worked midweek? I think that's, that's what I'm going to do anyway. Yeah, four three three, and and this is where I'd I'd do things a little differently. I imagine to the other guys and maybe yourself as well, Matt. I wouldn't play Fabinho. I, I just think, as much as Klopp, you know, in the press conference we've just heard today, kind of said there were signs of improvement. 
um, against Napoli. I, I still think he's not right. And, you know, obviously he'll be going the World Cup. He'll have one eye on that. I wonder if he's carrying an injury still from last season. There's there's so many things that I think are just swirling around him a little bit. And going back to 4-3-3 and going back to basics against Napoli definitely suited him a little better. You know, he had more players around him. Liverpool were more compact. He wasn't as stranded as he sometimes has been in a, in a diamond or in a two where he just simply has to cover more of the pitch and he struggles with it. But... Yeah, I, I, I still don't think he's quite there. And, you know, this will be a test, especially if Spurs pack the midfield, which in the absence of all the attacking options, I think they will. So I would bring Henderson back in and I'd play him deep. I'd play Thiago on the left and I'd play Elliot on the right. So, yeah, that, that's my trio. Interesting. That is that is tempting. I, I didn't think Fabinho was great. He was better, like you say. He wasn't great midweek. I am going to stick with him, though. I'm going to go Henderson, Fabinho and Thiago. We've not seen that trio for a little bit of time and it gives me Elliot off the bench as well. But, uh, Theo, which way are you going to go? Um, I'm tempted to go for the more senior trio just because Derby County, back in the cup, that's one where you, let, you unleash Elliot a bit more. You let him go and have a start in that game. But then... If, you could have Fabinho as number six in one, Henderson as number six in the other. You know, you're going to have Milner probably starting against Derby, assuming he comes through full contact training okay after his concussion. Uh, we know, pretty know, sure, Thiago's going to start. I think we all got excited when Fabinho, Henderson and Thiago played together whenever it was last time. And then the game was an awful disappointment. I can't remember which one it was, but I remember it did not go well at all and it was just an awful midfield showing. Um, so, But I think I'm going to lean towards sticking with those three and like you say, Elliot off the bench and then Elliot can start against Derby, like Carvalho can start against Derby, that sort of thing. Jones can start against Derby, let the kids have that game. Jones is in my forward line, but we'll come back to that in a second. Rich, midfield? What about the forward line? <laughs> Yeah, midfield. I'm, I'm sticking with the uh, the Ron Seal midfield uh, of uh, Fabino, Henderson, and Thiago. You, does what it says on the tin. You know what you're getting with it. Um, I do take Sean's point about maybe an extra body in midfield if if um, Tottenham are light on on uh, attacking options. But I just think with those three, they should have enough know-how uh, to get across the pitch and, and hopefully deal with what's being thrown at them. Um, Theo's right as well. It was disappointing uh, last time, or when we looked forward to that midfield being brought together earlier in the season. Uh, but uh, there's, there's something uh, reassuring about it. There's some, it. It's a comfort midfield, isn't it? And, um, you know, we're on the colder nights now, so I need a bit of comfort. So that's what I'm going with. Interesting, right? I'll stick with you as well for your forward line. Do you want to talk us through that? Um, yeah, it's uh, well, it's a four-three-three, so it kind of no real surprises in it. I'm going with um, Firmino down the middle, Salah on the right, and the Uruguayan wrecking ball on the left-hand side uh, to try and cause a little bit of havoc. Uh, and then, depending on how the game's going, you can maybe look at a few other few other options like uh, the likes of Curtis Jones or Calvalio um, if something needs to be tweaked. But yeah, go with Salah. Bobby and Nunes to start. I'm going to go with Curtis Jones. I think you're going to do the, the same, Sean, I believe. And that would leave, what, Firmino to, to come off the bench? Yeah, exactly that. I think Firmino's been... Well, he's been mixed this season, hasn't he? He's just not looked like Firmino. He's looked like a, a goal scorer. But then he's had his moments where, he, you know, he, he does what Firmino does and drops back into midfield. But fundamentally, he's played a lot of football recently. You know, a few 90s and played most of the game the other night, didn't he? And... 
I, yeah, I want I want Nunes central. I want him as close to Salah as possible, especially against the back three. I think you know if Liverpool can even force some kind of breaks where it's it's those two against those three, you know, you'd fancy Nunes and Salah to get a bit of joy. I just think that the way Jones played the other night, you know, he, he was he was an effective outball, and you know, he he kept hold of it, he progressed it, he he was involved in attacks, not necessarily in the sense of like directly giving the ball that, that teed someone up or having that many shots himself, but he was always on the scene. So, yeah, I like the idea of Jones on the left, Nunes central, Salah on the right. And then it gives Liverpool that bit of flexibility. Obviously, I've, I've gone for Elliot in midfield. So, if Liverpool need to dig in, even just temporarily when Spurs are, you know, are, are on the break, Jones can pull back and, and be a left midfielder. Elliot can push out wide and be on the right. And, you know, they can they can set themselves in a bit more of a 4-4-2 with, with the two main men up front. So, yeah, that's that's what I'm thinking. Give give Firmino a bit of a rest and uh, unleash Darwin down the centre. Theo, which way for you? I'm on the fence. I can see it both ways. Uh, Firmino has played awful lot of football recently. I think he started every single game since Arsenal. Um, obviously, you'd expect that considering you've lost Diaz to injury, you've lost Jota to injury. You don't really have enough senior attackers otherwise. <clears throat> Sorry, and but he's also got a very good record against Tottenham. Um, I think he always seems to score when it's Tottenham away, and he got the winner in the um, in the last minute to shut Tim Sherwood up at Anfield in the behind closed door season as well. Uh, I, I can see the um, reasoning for keeping Jones on the left, give him a bit of rhythm, let him have a few games in a row. He was an effective outball, but then I can also see the argument for playing um, Firmino down the middle and have Nunes on the left just to be a havoc and bit of a pacey winger. Uh, I think. I'm going to lean with giving Bobby the rest and letting him start Derby. Just have one of the two experienced heads in it. So Curtis Jones on the left. But I'd be happy with it going either way. You can't really be fussy when Liverpool's options are so limited at the moment. Yeah, I'd imagine whichever way they don't start, they'll probably see it at some point with a substitution or two in the second half. But uh, those are our teams then. Let's do our match predictions. I'm going to go for a 2-1 Liverpool win. I think Rich will be allowed to have a shave after the match. Rich, do you reckon a win? Um, well, I'll nip out to Superdrug later, get a, a nice Mac 3, uh, something capable of doing the job, because I do think Liverpool can actually get a win here, but it's going to come with a clean sheet. Whether that involves a VAR overturn or not, I don't really care, um, but a clean sheet will be the basis of a 2-0 Liverpool victory. Good stuff. Theo, clean sheet for you as well, or what do you reckon? I think after City, I've just got to predict 4-1 Tottenham, don't I? And we'll see if it keeps on working throughout the season. Um, nah, I'll go one all. I think uh, I've still got doubts that it is a properly corner-turned back to normal for Liverpool, even in the familiar formation. They've still got a couple of doubts to uh, win over just yet, considering how many times we've been burnt so far this season. Sean, wins all round, do you think? Or what do you reckon? I'm seeing Rich Garnet razor in one hand, cool bottle of beer in the other after after a three-one win. Oh, excellent stuff! Excellent stuff. Nunes to score as well. More chaos from him. Yeah, two of them. Excellent stuff. Right, we'll leave it there. Rich, get yourself out to Superdrug as you say. Liverpool are going to win this weekend. All the build-up to that win, and hopefully the reaction after it as well. In all of the usual places. Until next time, though, from all of us here, it's goodbye for now. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.